everybody, and welcome to the TPM podcast that stands for Theology of Plain Men. As per usual, my name is Zach, joined by a couple guys who are finally deciding to uh, pick up some slack, I guess, on the podcast. <laughs> hey, now. Brad Gustafson and Matt Onquist. How you guys doing? Uh, doing well. Doing great. Uh, so, um, we, like I said, we are Theology of Plain Men, although, uh, as we might come to find today, we're going to be more like Philosophy of Plain Men. Uh, by the time we're done, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, what's special about having these two guys here is these are the only other two plain men who are uh, dog parents, dog owners, some might say. Uh, for better or for worse. For right. fathers, um, as I like to say. I've never said that before in my life. Uh, how are the doggos doing? Have they pooped on your bed yet? No, see, Zach was convinced immediately once I got a dog that it would poop on my bed, like, day one. My dog is a nightmare. Yeah, well, mine's clearly not quite as bad, but um, it also hasn't destroyed any valuable property of mine in the last few weeks. Brad, is that the same case for yeah, you? Yeah, that's a win for you. I, uh, <laughs> is, that, so, is, that, is that not a win for you, Brad? Well, uh, so I got some new earbuds, uh, past tense. I liked them for the two weeks that I had them. I will also say that my dog has recently added couch number four to its hit list. Uh, four couches peed on. Was, was that you, was that last wow. one? Uh, that was that your couch? Brad? Thank goodness, no. We were number two and Thank three. <laughs> uh, as long as it's someone else's property. Exactly. I didn't even have to clean it. Am, am I? I was offered. I number one? Did I not hear about that? Oh gosh, I hope not. <laughs> That'd be five. Uh, so, um, yeah. The, the fun part about having a dog is you learn all sorts of good stuff about your fallen nature. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I, oh ho- I hope you enjoyed learning about your sinfulness through that whole experience, Brad. Well, as I, I always remind Zach that raising a, a dog is at least as hard as raising a child. At least. Um, which which he doesn't know that much about. Right. Baby, I, but you know, I don't know anything about you know child rearing. I only have one dog. You guys have dogs that are much larger. So clearly you must know more. <laughs> It's just a linear property at that point. And we probably got at least 10 pounds on you. Five, well, maybe five. You have put on some weight, I agree. <laughs> okay, so like I hinted at earlier, uh, this is going to be more like philosophy of plain men today. Uh, we are in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the TPM Studios, St. Clair Avenue, St. Paul, Minnesota. So uh, that is code for Zach's basement. We are in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which has been an epicenter of... Uh, I'll call it calls for justice, cries for justice. Uh, Andre and I talked about this a little while ago when we talked about kind of the stuff that's been going on in Minneapolis um, with the latest death of George Floyd. So there's been all these calls for a uh, a push for justice back to some sense of human nature and morality. And what we kind of spitballed as we were going into this um we were reading some stuff by tim keller which i'll let you guys talk about a little bit should you want to as well as kind of we just before we started this listened to um an audiobook excerpt from uh mere christianity by c.s lewis that talks about morality an awful lot really the whole book talks a lot about morality um more all this to say i am I'm pulling a Michael Francis on this intro right now. This, hey, is, man. this is bad. This is as bad as I've done in a long time. I apologize. Four minutes, baby. Keep if, it going. If you, I'm going to take away your guys' timer. Uh, if you're still with us at this point, we thought it was important to, as we talk about justice, we look at justice. I think, especially um, to the believer out there, I think it's important to take a step back and evaluate your view of morality. 
Um, and fi- honestly, philosophically, it is kind of the way that philosophically, and I'll say logically, it kind of feels like the way that the discussion goes. Talk about morality, and I think that's what we're going to do here today. Spitball a little bit, ramble, probably not make any sense. At the end of it, we'll do our best to give you an application that maybe is helpful. What do you got, Matt? Rambling we're doing. We're certainly <laughs> achieving. Um, at least one of us is. <laughs> Guaranteed to have that. No, I think it's... Uh, it, We've got to address this at some point. I think now is a perfect time to do it because, like you mentioned, we're surrounded by it. And so we we see a lot of it because, like Zach said, we're kind of at the epicenter of a call for um, a a new wave of justice, a new civil rights movement, if you will. Um, And in some ways, it kind of seems like we're at the, the precipice of that, which is exciting. But at the same time, if you ever log into social media or the Internet or talk to anybody it feels like you're always confronted with the idea that we live in an unjust or unjust i never know which one it is system <laughs> and society that tells us you know we're we're being oppressed by xyz or we're oppressing other people xyz and we have to be part of the solution we have to be on the right side of history we have to understand what sort of issues are being caused by or around us and we have to be part of the solution and there's a great intention behind that and i love it and i love the momentum that we have but i think we have to be careful that since this movement is happening and is happening so quickly it would be unwise of us to step into it without a grounding of why we should even step in in the first place so we want to zoom out from the discussion of racial inequality from the discussion of what's been happening surrounding the murder of George Floyd, et cetera, to the discussion of what what is morality? How do we justify, if you will, having morals and defending them and claiming other people should? What's the point? And uh, how, how do we really live a consistent life according to that? So I, I hope for everyone listening that it's as you see the importance of this, because if uh, if we're living an inconsistent life, uh, we're we're kind of running a fool's errand in trying to tackle social problems that we don't really have an idea of where we want to go with it. Yeah, and for those following along at home, uh, that is injustice. A noun. Uh, that is unjust uh, description <laughs> oh, or an adjective. You. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> now y'all know when I get it wrong. Perfect. So building off that a little bit, yeah. Well, there's justice. What is justice? Taking a step back, like you said. What is morality? Uh, kind of what is your worldview of morality is the only way we can answer how do we achieve justice right uh so going to morality today uh i think of all the podcasts uh we've been on the topic of justice and morality is the one that's easiest for me to put my foot in my mouth uh mm. <laughs> i i mean if you talk to 10 different co-workers uh they'll likely all come up with a slightly different answer I once had a boss out, looked me in the eye my first day on the job, and he said, Brad, you know the right thing to do. Do it. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. Follow that voice. This dude had nothing to do with religion. <laughs> this guy <laughs> would certainly not call himself a Christian. But he's like, yeah, everybody has that voice. You know what's right. Do it. I'm like, hmm. That tells me a lot about his worldview. It tells me about his definition of morality. And I'd just be curious... Pitching over to you guys, what are maybe other uh, worldviews that you've been close to or you've come in contact with that may be defining morality in a specific way? Yeah, I, th- I, I think that's probably the most common one that you said, Brad. Um, we, we live in a Western society that has uh, culturally 
inherited a lot of Judeo-Christian values, which is the idea, like you said, that we have a conscience and that there's this inner voice telling us right from wrong. And that's a principally Christian idea that, um, as the Bible would say, that that we all know God's law. And the, though we might not expressly uh, commit to, to believing that, the idea is that because we're made in the image of God, we really do understand right from wrong and therefore we are held accountable to it so i think that's probably the most common one but that's slipping away more and more from our society as we move into a postmodern, or well rather even post-christian worldview and society a lot of those those sort of things are slipping away and it's being moved into a discussion of there is no objective morality there is no objective truth justice is a, a concept that we have to pursue but we can't quite define and I'd say that I definitely see that on an academic level. I'll see a lot of people uh, in academia make comments about the postmodern or post-Christian worldview and make strong arguments for uh, subjective truth. Uh, but I don't see that in my day-to-day. Like, as I'm interacting with people, very rarely do I stumble across that worldview. I feel like whether they are, uh, you name the religion or you name the uh it's political season. You're on the left side of the aisle or the right side of the aisle. I feel like almost all of them have a very objective description of what they would call uh, morally good or morally bad. Uh, and I'd even argue almost almost all of them would come to the same conclusion. Like you list out what is good and what is bad. And no matter what their background is, they would almost all come to an agreement. Like you see 9-11 happen and that's pure evil. You see the George Floyd incident happen. That is pure evil. That is bad. And everybody's on the same page. The disagreement is maybe how to reach justice and how to uh, get our society to do moral good as a whole. But on an individual level, I see a lot of consistency in agreeing on a moral good. So I'm going to maybe take this a step lighter, if you will. I feel like when you when you maybe take the word morality off it, that's kind of a heavy word. When you just think about like, we're just talking about the idea of good and bad. I I think a lot of people get really, really entrenched in their ideas of good and bad. But it's just that. it's I see people, it's their ideas of what's good and bad. I think the most common thing I see is what's morally right is what I think is right. And what's morally wrong is what I think or I feel is wrong. And oftentimes, it does have to do with our feelings. I think especially it feels like in the society we're in today, here I go saying it feels like I'm a feeler. It's okay. Hmm. Um, A big observation I have is, well, I feel this way. Therefore, my feelings are true. So this is right. And if you, if what you are saying is opposed to that, that is wrong. And that's where we're, we're getting an idea of good and bad is based off how we feel. Um, That is a, a, a big tendency, at least that I see, I'm going to say more in my day to day life. And oftentimes I think it plays out in smaller things. Um, if you want to call things like maybe alcohol or, or drug use, if you want to call those quote small things, um, in comparison to the idea of this heavier topic of morality. Um, I think that's, that's kind of how I often see it play out is I feel this way and my feelings are always true. Therefore this is right. And this is wrong. 
Yeah, and, and there's a long history of that, um, that that kind of comes out of Enlightenment philosophy. So we were talking about this right before we started recording. Tim Keller, who if you're not familiar with him, he's, uh, he's retired now, but he was a pastor of Redeemer Church in New York City for a long time. Uh, great, great Christian thinker. And he, um, he, so he recently published this blog post talking about, uh, I think it was called a critique of secular justice and critical theory. So he, his, his aim was to say there's a lot of discussion happening around the idea of justice and we have to be careful about how we pursue it. So a very similar tension to why we're recording this podcast. And I do want to, I, you said something very noteworthy there and I want to just emphasize it once, once more. You said, uh, to be careful about how we go about it. It's not that we don't go about it. It's not that Christians stay out of the conversation. It's we want to make sure we're dealing with this conversation with care and consistency and and not fly into it emotionally. Um, so I just want to emphasize that as we go into this no, conversation. No, that's a huge point that we need to hit on is that we don't get to be out of the conversation of justice because I would argue for a long period of the church's history, they've intentionally removed themselves from the discussion surrounding justice and um equality and that's been to our our shame really so but but what keller's arguing in this is that uh, out of enlightenment philosophy comes uh, rationalism and empiricism and the latter of which is is something that that zach's talking about and it's a a huge part of our culture as we're in post-enlightenment thought is that uh, our what we experience empirically what we observe observe is true therefore the only way to know truth is to observe it and therefore what I've observed is true and right. And we have to pursue a worldview that makes sense of that. Um, And you can understand where he's going. There's a lot of people who subscribe to that, but it's also really dangerous because there's huge holes that lack in it. Um, So I I think we can take it out of the academic sphere of the the philosophy here and and say my main point with, with bringing all of this up is that there's a lot of different categories that secular justice or secular views of morality fall into um and a lot of them fall in this common theme of wanting to pursue justice but not truly having a consistent defense of why they want to pursue it uh yeah and i also feel like we're in a strange time of you'll hear some parties not wanting to tell others that they're in the wrong some people like your truth is true for you mine is true for me uh i don't want to call you out i want to want to point a finger uh, I want to live according to what I believe to be true. Uh, Good it, vibes only, fam. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, hey, I'll mind my business, you mind yours. Uh, well, in the same breath, we have other parts of society uh, that I'll say are highly interested in my uh, a- actions toward moral goods or lack thereof. And that I see an injustice, I am supposed to call it out, and I will have many in my community make it known to me that I need to be calling out these injustices. I need to speak out. I need to step up. And it seems that people are more interested in what I don't do than what I do. Is that a fair statement? Have you guys seen the same pattern as well? 100%. If I'm honest, I hope you were going to say then what I do do. Well, and I was going to call you for saying do do. Thank you for that's about devolving what I got the conversation. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, no, it's, I, I agree with you, Brad. And I think um, that as we're tending toward the the far um, side of the spectrum, so so another thing Keller lays out is he kind of lays a spectrum. And on one side, you have a very what would be traditionally conservative or classically liberal view of justice. And at so if you look at that at the left side, and then on the right side, you move toward either a, a, a utopian setting or a um, 
uh, what, what's considered critical theory, which is a, uh, a neo-Marxist idea in, in some ways of that it's all based on a power struggle. And so uh, it, the idea would be that if you're in a, a setting of privilege and you're not speaking out against something, you're perpetuating an unjust society and therefore held accountable for that. And so I think that's a, that's a huge way, a huge direction that we're going in, in our society. And um, like I said, the intention's great. Like everyone wants the same outcome. We want equity. We want equality. We want justice. But the way that we try to get there is immensely different. And I don't think it's going to have the same outcome. And that's why we want to talk about it. So I kind of want to see if we compare some of these ideas of, uh, of strictly looking at it in, in terms of a class setting or in terms of a, a majority rule or what have you versus what the biblical worldview says, because that's what we really want to get to. Because we are theology of plain men. We're Christians. We believe that the Bible speaks to this and provides the best worldview to account for why there's injustice and what we do about it. So, Brad, what what do you have? Well, I mean, my wheels are turning quite a bit right now, and uh, yeah, I, I can see the hamster I, <laughs> turning in your brain there. I deeply want to respond to that in depth, uh, and mostly would be affirming. I, I guess where I'm stuck right now is I really want to do a second podcast on justice, and I want to pull this one back in again a little bit toward morality. And I think it'd be easy for me to run down that train of what is justice, how do we define it, how do we achieve it, what's the best way as a person and a society to achieve justice. But I want to just put a little sticky note on that one and save that for another episode. All right, everyone, we're doing a follow-up. Fall- keep, keep us accountable to that. Falling, falling back to morality, maybe a more of a practical step we could talk here. Uh, as we look around to our society that seems to be highly interested in morality, and they may talk about it as justice, uh, but it's really in good and in bad, they're highly interested. How, how do we best engage in a conversation with them to dig deeper than just the, I agree with your approach, I disagree with your approach, yes, that's a good idea to speak out on, no, I don't want to change my profile picture to that new filter, whatever it may be. How do we go deeper into really getting into a conversation about What's driving your motives? What is your morality and how are you defining it? So I'm over here and if you guys think your wheels are turning, my wheels, I got I got like a chubby hamster that ain't turning the <laughs> wheel very much in my brain. So I think we're getting to the point where where I think you like I said, our we're mostly speaking to the Christian at their day, right? We are theology of plain men, we're not philosophers. Um so I, I kind of, when I think about how do we start to structure your your view of morality, uh, to me, I'm going to speak, I guess, right now, I'm going to speak to the Christian. Um, and C.S. Lewis writes about this a ton in, in Mere Christianity. That's part of the clip we just listened to before we talked. Any of y'all people here. that don't call yourselves a Christian, don't tune out yet. I got some for you later. Brad, Brad will catch you later. Um, and I think this is also applicable to you, but I, uh, I'll make this statement and then I want to see what you guys think. Morality, true morality that is consistent and coherent, um, and ultimately, I'm going to say good for human flourishing, cannot exist apart from objectivity. So unless we have something objective outside of ourselves, uh, consistent and coherent morality cannot exist. Thoughts? Yeah, man, I think that's easy to affirm, especially coming from... A Christ follower that looks to the Bible for truth. Like, yeah, there's my objective morality that speaks into my life and speaks into the life of all believers. But I, hmm. 
Kotmid's thought. Well, let me jump in here. Go I think it. everyone exercises morality. I, I really think that at some level, I mean, take anyone, take Hitler. Hitler, not every, not 100% of his actions he did were intended to be evil or to be to the oppression of others. Um, he, I'm sure at points in his life, expressed love and care for people. And though that's not the, you know, what, what he went down history for and is, obviously he shouldn't have, um, he at times expressed intentions to, to follow a moral guideline. Uh, and he kind of created his own idea of what that is. Um, and, and so I think the idea that we all want this, we all desire the same thing of, you know, being good people and wanting to have a good society around us is evidence of where we come from, is evidence of our creator. And for me is one of the uh, foremost markers for why I think a, a theistic view of morality is necessary and a biblical view uh, categorically um, is important because it, it actually gives evidence for why we all have the same idea. If you take any of the other ideas for why we think morality exists, um, I, I really, we don't have time to pick them through one by one, but I think they all crumble because they're focused on either the idea of the self and only promoting the self or our society and promoting uh, the structures around us as, as they go. And, and the Bible blends those two themes beautifully and allows us to understand that we're a part of structures, but we're not bound only by those. And we're a part, and yet we're held accountable, and, and our individual moral actions have extreme consequences. Yeah. Zach, you're really eager. Well, so I think, again, I think we have a, a historical basis for, for that being true. We Observably, we can see why this. you, you said that morality has to kind of exist outside of this. You look across history... What's been thought of as morally good and morally bad in the secular sphere fluctuates. It's 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 fluid. It's not solidified. It's it's the flavor of the week. E- even in a in a cancel culture society, you know, one week almonds are good, and, and the next week they're killing the environment. You know, so it's like what's what? And th- again, that's a really light example, but that's. That's just kind of, to me, it's just a piece of the pie that you have this society that fluctuates up and down on. And if you look over the course of hundreds of years, what society is called morally good and morally bad has changed drastically. So, so I think your example there was almonds. Um, let's add a little bit more depth to that. Uh, let's say for thousands of years, humanity said slavery is not a problem. And now we sit here in 2020 and we look back and say, how foolish were we to ever think slavery was okay how dare a christian ever have a slave like okay yeah that's easy to say now jump back a few thousand years and everybody thought it was okay it's like yeah our view of morality does fluctuate and i think to what both of you were saying earlier having that objective consistent coherent truth is affirming as a believer Uh, i think as we engage and interact with those that don't have that same world view of us it's one thing to come in and say hey look to our truth Look how beautiful it is. Look how unchanging it is. Uh, look how life-changing it is. Uh, but in the same breath, I, I'll say my experience has been difficult to interact with those who don't follow Christ and talk to them about the Bible or about, honestly, anything related to God. But I've had more, uh, I'll say I've gotten a chance to go deeper in conversations by asking questions, by understanding the worldview better. And starting to really just pick at inconsistencies. 
Because as you talked about, I think both of you actually touched on, the beauty of the Christian worldview and ob- objective truth is that it is coherent. There are no holes in what we believe. And I'll happily entertain anybody that thinks they've spotted a hole. Like, let's talk. I want to be able to find holes in my worldview. Right. And I if, change if there my were view. holes, I wouldn't believe it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, I, I want to hear those potential holes, and I want to talk them through, and I want to process them. As we're engaging with unbelievers, anybody that's not a follower of Christ, I believe there are holes in their worldview and in their definition of morality. And I find it's helpful to just learn seek to understand, seek to look through their eyes. And as you look to do that, you'll start seeing those holes of inconsistencies and that's things you start drawing upon. And hopefully they'll start to open up a little bit more. So I'm going to cut open a vein on myself. Uh, I love what you say and I agree with everything you say. But in my life, but in my life, when I've thought about, I need to interact with this person uh, and because I want to learn more about the morality my sinful self has always said, because I know better than they do, and I want to poke all sorts of oh, holes we do. in their worldview. So uh, that's why, if, if you're anything like me, I want to take a step back and say, do, do not go into conversations with the attention of, I want to show this person they're an idiot and that their worldview doesn't hold up. Yeah, that's going to shine through right away. So I, I, right. I think a helpful way to go about it is to to lay some ground rules and be uh, be open with them. You know, obviously everyone comes in with their own presuppositions. But if you say, let's ask some common questions and both try to answer it from the way that we understand the world and whoever is most consistent wins or not wins. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah I, I mean, that. genuinely. <laughs> 10 <laughs> points for Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> blood, blood bow. No, but seriously, I mean, f- find whatever way you're going to be hopefully having a relationship with this person. So you can find a way to communicate those sort of ideas to them beforehand. But you know, find find questions to ask them to get at the heart of what they believed and, and answer it in turn with what you believe and find what really makes more sense. Like Zach was feeling a lot of it or what Zach was saying, a lot of it is really up to feeling. And that's perfectly normal. Um, and, and we all feel things about the way we observe the world. So what's really more true about the way we observe the world? What's really more true about what rationally makes sense um, and, and, and other things? And, and if, if I can step in here, I actually created four questions that would be worth asking when deciding or when when questioning the idea of morality or justice but let's let's keep it high level brad let's let this be our final around the horn what is your key takeaway from this podcast and from this topic and we'll start with mr almquist I, questions. I would like everyone listening to know that brad only said that because it is grossly past his bedtime right <laughs> well <laughs> i won't deny it and much less we've been i've especially myself uh been rambling long enough i think this is a great transition to our applications yeah fair enough okay so i, I get four points though right i still get a sample you get all four all that, right. is, all that is called the pastor's application point but i have you, this one application point that has four points to it that's right it means if you my steal one of done. my points i will drop this mic that's fine um okay so so whenever you're considering because we're keeping it high level at the view of what is morality and how do you how do you understand it and brad asked the question of how do you have a discussion with someone about it i'm saying these things will be helpful to ask another person and and listener you should ask yourself this because you want to be consistent with what is true and so morality should be consistent with lining up to the truth so one what is morality and how do we pursue it? Two, why ought we pursue moral things? Why should we be moral people? 
because sometimes we can we can create worldviews that say what morality is, but I think the question of what ought to be is much more lacking from almost every single worldview. Certainly ones on that that are secular, but I, I think really any that are beyond uh, the biblical worldview. Three, how then should we pursue morality? And four, why do we have hope that morality is worth pursuing? And I think we clearly don't have time because Brad switched this to application. But um, I, I think that the biblical worldview has beautiful, extremely poignant things to address all of those that are far and away superior to every other worldview I've ever studied, which is a lot. And certainly more than the, the, cert, the, the view we're given in society right now, the secular idea of justice. And again, the intention is great, but it just lacks so much purpose behind it. And so if we as the church can rally together to join the fight for morality in the specific time that we're in, I think we're going to be uh, in a great place to address people's true longing needs um, in a way that they're going to find helpful and important. Gentlemen, I feel like we could talk about this for hours. Uh, (laughs) And there are many uh, bunny trails that we started on and backtracked. There's about uh, six more bunny trails I want to take off yeah, of that. Why do we not yes. do a Joe Rogan so, style, well, like six-hour podcast? To that point, I'm thinking that... We do get paid as much as Joe Rogan, so... Easily. I'm thinking that we're in the middle of a series right now. Biblical Justice, Chapter 1. What is morality? There we go. Uh, my takeaway as we're wrapping up here, uh, answer all of Matt's questions. R- rewind this track a little bit, think about them, genuinely answer them. A lot of them were what or how, that last one was why... I want to dig into that why a little bit more. As you look at your answers to those questions, why do you believe what you believe? Just really dig into that. You have a worldview. You have a definition of morality. Why do you believe that is true? I like that. I like that a lot. Um, For my application, uh, I'm speaking to those that are like me out there. Um, I feel like there's a tendency of a lot of feelers to think this way. Um, what I want the listener to think about is I want you to challenge yourself as you're thinking about these questions. And even as you go through your day-to-day life, thinking about in this situation, what's right and what's wrong. Um, as you apply that question to all parts of your daily life, I want you to challenge yourself to consider, um, does the God of the universe have a better sense of what is right and what is wrong than you do, especially those of you who are like me and operate in your day-to-day lives off of how you feel and your gut instinct, you it's, it's a lot harder for us. Challenge yourself. Does scripture, the truth of that God has given us and, and God himself, does he have a better understanding of right and wrong and morality than I do? So that that is what I want to challenge a listener with this week. Well, Boys, I feel like I was put to shame by you guys. Brad trumped my almond take. <laughs> and That's what everyone's going to remember. And that's what everyone's going to remember. Well, this truly was some verbal processing. I hope it was indeed edifying for you. Have a great week. Good night, team. <laughs>